0: Hey, today we continue our series, Wonder. You know, how many people have gone through Christmas enough times that actually sometimes we can lose the wonder of Christmas? It's like actually we we get caught up in the busyness and the the, the hard part of Christmas, which is just trying to get through to December 25th. And actually we can lose the wonder. What I love about the series is that little tagline, still in awe. I'm still in awe of Jesus who gave everything, who gave up heaven and came and lived on this planet so that we could have life, selflessly gave of himself so that we could have relationship with God. And this is what we celebrate every single Sunday. But I love Christmas because the world is listening a little bit more carefully around this time of year. And we need to express the wonder that is in our heart towards God. We need it just to flow out naturally. You know, we don't have to Bible bash anyone. We just need to talk about how incredible Jesus is and what he's done in our lives. And I want to encourage us that we would not lose the wonder, the wonder of Christmas. This morning, I'm excited to bring a message called Still the King. Come on, Jesus is still the king of all the kings that have graced this planet. He is still the king of kings. Nothing has changed And as we come into this Christmas. Would you look at him as king again with a new sense of awe and wonder? Anyone love movies? Any movie buffs? I know we've got a couple of pastors that love movies here. Uh, I love a good action film. I can even handle a romance as long as I'm sitting next to Amy. You know what I mean? But the movies that do me in, just absolutely mess me up, are the stories of reconciliation between a father and a son or a, or a family member. You know, as, yeah, as Frosty said, you know, this is, my life is all about seeing families, broken families made whole. You know, children making, making things right with their parents, and uh, th- that can just mess me up. But there's ingredients that go into making a great film, right? There's, there's romance, there's danger, there's intrigue. There's, there's always failure and then a sense of redemption. The, the comedy is obviously a good part of a movie as well. In fact, I'm actually uh, working on a script at the moment. Can I run it past you? Is that all right? And um, yeah, just give me a bit of feedback. So it's about, it's about this uh, young soccer player from Whangarei, and uh, he falls in love with a dancer. They, they get engaged and get married. They have three children. All of a sudden, they work hard for 45 years. Doves are released at their funeral. And they say nice words about them. I, would, I wouldn't even go to that movie. It's boring. <laughs> and that's my life story so far. <laughs> I'm not dead yet. I'm still working on that part. But, but, but there's something about a great movie that is missing in this. There's got to be a hero and a villain. And I love the movies with the hero and the villain. And there's this battle that's going on. And this morning I want to talk about the two kings that battle it out for the hearts of man in the Christmas story. I want to talk about King Herod and King Jesus. Matthew 2 verse 1 to 8, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where is the Christ, where the Christ was to be born? And Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child, as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship Him. This morning I'm here to say that of all the kings that have graced the planet, Jesus is still king, the greatest king, the king of kings of law Lord of lords. My question today is, which king gets your worship? Which king do you worship? Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you that in your great plan, it was to send Jesus to be the king that would rule all of humanity. Thank you for the way that you sent him to this place. Thank you for the story that we we read every, every Christmas. Lord, I pray that we would never lose the wonder of the story. That even today that we would look at you, Jesus, again as King. That we would bow our knee to you. Because you are the one that is above all. You are the one that is supreme. May we be in awe and wonder of you this morning. Amen. Kings right throughout history have made a mark. Uh, King David led the nation of Israel. King Solomon considered the wisest man in the planet. Uh, King James bought us a Bible. A generation of teenagers in the 60s followed a king, but he left the building. He's not with us anymore. But there have also been evil kings, and one of them, and I want to focus on him today, destroyed a generation of innocent children through jealousy and insecurity. King Herod was the supervillain, feared by everyone, including his own family. Matthew two 3, we've just read, when King Herod heard this, that there was going to be a new king, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. Now, on, on the surface, we could read this and say that there, there was an empathy felt between a king and his people. The king was disturbed, so the people were disturbed. You know, the, we, we celebrate his family when one person's happy, we're happy for them. When someone's sad, we're sad also. And you could be, could be led to believe that they were disturbed because they had an empathy with the king, but that's not why they were disturbed. King Herod he was a bad dude. He was a bad, bad guy. This is the guy who was so worried that no one would grieve at his funeral, that he set a plan in place to execute a bunch of noble men at the time of his death, so at least there would be mourning in the kingdom when he died. That's the type of guy we're talking about. Fortunately, sanity prevailed, and when he died, they didn't follow through with that plan. But that's what he ordered. This is the king that was leading In a time where being a follower of God was a dangerous occupation. Of all the villains in history, Herod was particularly nasty. He was a brutal man. Killed his own father-in-law, several of his ten wives, two of his sons. He ignored the laws of God and put heavy taxes on the Jewish people just so that he could build his own lavish projects. He was a schemer, kind of climbed, clawing his way to the top through political alignment with, with the right people. He met Octavian uh, during one of the civil wars, and uh, Octavian became the Roman Caesar, Augustus. Now, if you don't know much about Caesar, a couple of really important things to know about Caesar. uh, He's responsible for, number one, the haircut. Have we got that one? (laughs) Sported uh, through the 90s and 2000s. I wore one of those. Not quite as good as that one. But also, most importantly, the, the salad. Also to be had with chicken, Um, but uh, two very important things that might be helpful for someone here today. But you know, once Herod was king, he launched an ambitious building program, both in Jerusalem and the spectacular city port or seaport of Caesarea. Caesarea named after Caesar. Yeah, a bit of a suck up right there, isn't it? It's like, Caesar, you're amazing. I'll name a city after you. You can give me a bit of a tax break and all that kind of stuff. But he also built Mount Herodian. That's right. He built a mountain. We all need a mountain, right? He built a mountain and so he could sit on top of that mountain and say, look at me, how amazing am I? Also built Masada, this this fortified city right on top of a hill, because he was paranoid, absolutely paranoid that people were coming after him. The Jewish people sat under an evil, self-seeking, tyrannical king, and God was about to change the scene. This is the part of the movie where Bonnie Tyler comes out singing, we need a hero. (laughs) And into the story came Joseph and Mary and a little baby born in a manger. Not the part of the story you're expecting. Not quite what the people were even expecting. Not born into privilege, but certainly in the bloodline of of royalty. But it's someone that was spoken of through prophecies throughout the generation. Matthew 2, 5 and 6. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Now, the Israelites, they had a of pass when it came to kings. See, see, the people, they said to God, we want a king. We want to be like every other nation. So give us a king like they've got. We want, a, we want a king with skin on or God with skin on. God says, it's not a good idea. I want to be your king. I want to lead you. I'll provide for you. I'll fight for you. I will protect you. The people said, no, we want a king. So they got Saul, big, tall Saul. But Saul was lacking in character. He could have gone on. He could have done great things, but he missed the mark. And right throughout the history, there were more bad kings than there were good kings. And so the people had this war perspective of what a king was supposed to be like. And so they were looking for a particular king, preferably one that would march into into battle with 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 a white stallion and an army behind him and enter Jesus. Not quite what they were expecting, and yet exactly what God showed the people needed. This morning, I want to look at two contrasting views of these two kings in the story and ask us to consider which king do we worship? Who gets our worship? Because you might be surprised. It's like, well, I don't worship King Herod, but there's something that King Herod represents that is in the spirit of our age. When we look at it and as, as we study it together, you'll see actually that some of those things can actually rise up in ourselves and we can end up worshipping without even realising it the wrong king. But I want to say that we, we have the opportunity even today to bow our knee again to Jesus, the King of kings. The first thing, and you can write this down, it's in your notes this morning. First thing is Herod led out of a place of insecurity. Jesus led from a place of identity. Herod led out of a place of insecurity. Jesus led from a place of identity. Matthew 2 verse 8, Herod sends them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And again, it sounds like a nice king wanting to go and worship and honor a newborn king, but no, he's wanting to kill Jesus. And just to make sure that he gets Jesus, he wants to kill all of the kids. See, when our decisions are made out of a place of insecurity, the outcome is purely focused on ourselves. See, jealousy clouds our judgment. When we're making decisions, trying to preserve our own reputation or our own worth or our own value, we're not looking at others, we're looking at ourselves. We become egocentric, centered around our own ego, our own security. And That's what insecurity comes out of. This desire to control everything to make sure that we stand in the right place considered to others. Herod was all about reputation. His standing before Caesar, his own slaves, his army, his household, his own family. I mean, I love his title, Herod the Great. It's like, yeah, nothing subtle about that one, right? I'll tell you what, if you've ever got to get up here and say, I'm a man of God, you're not the man of God. (laughs) Truly. And I've heard it said before, and it's not a good thing. If you've got to say you're something, you're probably not. If you are, you carry it and people know it. But if you have to go and put that title on top of somebody in order to control them, then you're probably not that person. Who we are comes out of us very, very naturally, good or bad. How about Jesus? No insecurity in this man. No insecurity whatsoever. In fact, as Jesus was about to enter ministry, Holy Spirit leads him out into the wilderness for 40 days. He doesn't eat anything. He's fasting. He's he's tired. He's hungry. He's probably even hangry potentially. Except Jesus, he didn't sin, so 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 maybe he wasn't hangry. But he would have been exhausted. There would have been something in him just hanging out for some food. Just a couple of loaves and fishes, that's all I want. And the devil comes at that moment. Anyone ever identified with that? Anyone ever found themselves at the weakest point? Where things are about as bad as it could get, the devil gets one more and gives it a twist. And it's like you go down another level. And what was the devil coming after? Well, listen to the statement. The devil says, If you are, if you are the Son of God, take this stone and turn it into bread. What was he going after? Jesus' identity. He was asking Jesus to prove that he was the Son of God. But he didn't need to prove that he was the Son of God. Why? Because his father had just told him he was. Here we go back here. Luke 3, verse 21 to 22. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, and this is God the Father speaking. You are my Son, whom I love, with you. I'm well pleased. Now, we don't know if Jesus had performed any miracles up until then. What we do know is they weren't recorded. So we could probably safely assume that he hadn't done a whole lot of great works or miraculous works at this stage. So God wasn't saying, this is my son. He's a miracle worker. He has done so many great, incredible things. He's just saying, this is my son. I love him, and I'm pleased with him. And I believe God's wanting to say to some people here today, you are his son. You are his daughter. He loves you. He is pleased with you. Full stop. Period. That that's enough. But I haven't done enough, or I've been a bad person, or I I did that thing last night that I knew I shouldn't have. You are loved. You are his son. You are his daughter. That's enough. That is what grace is, my friends. Grace says, I don't deserve it, and yet He gives it anyway. Love and acceptance and identity as a child of the Most High God. That is what we have as a gift from God. So Jesus responds. He, he doesn't even back it up. Yes, I am. I am the Son of God, and here's why. Yeah, you know, we would moan and whinge and complain, but He says, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every mouth that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. I don't even have to argue this. And I'm not even going to try and come up with a clever comeback. I'm just going to state the word of God because that is who I am. Herod led out of insecurity. Jesus led from a place of true identity. See, when we serve the king of this world, it's all about what we do. It's all about who we are. But when Jesus is king, it's all about whose we are. Who do we belong to? When we surrender our lives to Jesus, we become a child of God and our identity is in Him, not in what we do. I'll tell you, I spent too many years in a place of insecurity, trying to please people, trying to, trying to keep this whole thing called the church together as if it was mine. And it never was. Jesus said He was going to build His church. And I was there as an insecure leader, pushing people down because they had a better idea than me. And and thinking that that person was better than me, so I won't promote them. I won't give them a chance to shine because what if they're better than me? I'm so glad I moved past that. I'm so glad I'm a part of a church across these six locations with absolute geniuses around me. I love it. You have two of the most phenomenal preachers on the planet right here. And you know that. And I know that. And I celebrate that. And I don't have to try and be them. i just got to be me. And and, and I think that's our biggest problem, especially in the church, if I can say that. We're looking around at everybody else going, I wish I could have what they have. That's why we do Growth Track. So we can discover who God's wired us to be. Do Do you know insecurity can put us in a box? And often... The box is one we make for ourselves. Did you know I put a box around myself for the last 10 years? I, I, I said, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm a senior pastor. I'm a whatever. Yeah. I, I've got these kids' books inside of me, and it's like, but I can't do that because I'm a... I, I kind of box myself in until finally God says, well, I gave you a talent, Mike. Will you use it? Or will you bury that talent, or will you dig it up and actually do something with it? So yes, I happen to pastor a church, and I'm also a children's book author. Thank you very much. It's like, finally, work it out. And I believe that there's some people here today, this is a word that's going boom, boom, boom in your heart, because there's something creative in you, there's something in you that you've actually held back, you pushed down, and today God is saying, come on, wake it up. Wake up that gift. Fan into flame that gift that, that God's put on your life. That thing you've got to create, that thing you've got to build, that business you've got to start, that relationship that you've got to go after. God has got that in you already. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. That thing that's in you already is something that He's put in you. But delight yourself in Him. Second thing is King Herod served himself. King Jesus served the needs of others. King Herod served himself. King Jesus served the needs of others. Matthew 2.16, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. See, Herod could have just let it go. He could have gone, ah, well, look, I'm still king. If he really is king, I'll kill him later. But no, no, his insecurity, serving his own needs, he took the whole resource of his kingdom. And he wiped out hundreds, thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of children. Innocent lives. These these are kids in his own kingdom. These, These are his kids. And he kills them all. Because he was serving his own needs. Jesus, on the other hand, he showed leadership that began and ended with a servant heart. Mark 10 for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's why Herod Elam, we're all about servant leadership. That's why it's not about titles. It's not about positions. It's about everybody finding their gift and serving passionately with all they've got. And, and, and I think that's so important for today. We're so into getting that title, getting that, that whatever it is, you know, you know, you go straight into that conversation with, with a new person. What do you do? Where do I rank compared to you? You know, that pecking order. Where do, I, where do I sit in terms of my importance over and above you? Let's not be about that. Let's not be about that. I, I remember at one of our growth tracks up in Fangadei, someone said, So what do we call you? I'm like, Mike? <laughs> I said, You know, I was like Pastor Mike as a reverend. I, I said, Well, okay. I said, What, what do you do for a living? She said, I'm, I'm a financial advisor. I said, cool. All right. You call me Pastor Mike if I can call you Financial Advisor Lee every time we see each other. <laughs> I mean, it's dumb, isn't it? It is. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. We don't need to put, put a title in front of anything because we're here to serve. We're here to lay down our lives for others. And we are never more like God than when we serve others. Doesn't it feel so good? To know that every time you let someone into the car park and you wave and you greet them, every time you serve a coffee, every time you hang out with these incredible kids, that you could be leading somebody into an eternity with Jesus. I mean, you're never more like Jesus than when you're laying down your life and serving someone else. That's why the Dream Team t-shirts are all over this place, because you guys are living the dream. It doesn't get better than this. You could earn all the money in the world, and it will mean nothing compared to what you're doing right now, which is opening up your home and saying, come on, welcome in. I want to introduce you to my king. His name is Jesus. Any Kanye fans in the house? What, what? I know I could divide a room, and I probably have already. And you, you, can, you can have your opinion, whatever you like, and I'll have mine. All I can say is somebody that stands up and that titles his album, Jesus is King. He's a fan of my book. And you know what? Thousands of people are coming to Christ as a result of it. And one of the, one of the key phrases that Kanye uses, and I'm not necessarily promoting Kanye here, but one of the phrases he uses, I'm a service to God. My life is service to God. When we understand that, when that becomes who we are, everything in life actually makes a whole lot of sense. Do you know we stop striving? Pushing, trying to climb the ladder. You know, Jesus said, when you go to a place, a party, go to dinner. Don't go to the top seat at the table. Just just kind of take a low road. Just kind of drop in there, just subtly in the background. Because if somebody wants to promote you, they will. I mean, I've employed enough people over my 20 plus years as a boss, to work out. It's not the person that comes to me and says, I'm ready to preach, give me the microphone. (laughs) They don't get it. But when I'm walking through the building and I see a 16-year-old picking up rubbish, putting it in the trash, opening the door for somebody who needs to walk through, that person that's staying around after, is there anything else I can do? I'm going, oh, I am going to watch you. Cause man, I think we could teach you how to preach. I reckon we could work on some of those skills and, and, and those things that you might need to do ministry. But you have got the heart that is right. And you watch every single person that's come through leadership in this place. They haven't come in here because they're talented. I mean, we, we, we're all not that talented. <laughs> we've, just, we've just simply said, God, yes, many, 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 many times. Yes, God, I can do that. My children's ministry started when my pastor, I was 14 years old, says, we need someone to run the creche. I turned to my mum, I was 14 years old and said, we can do that. <laughs> Three years I spent serving kids. That was how it started for me. And then the next thing comes, and, and it's not about getting a promotion. Do you hear me? Because some people actually, you are fifth in your company, and you are in exactly the right place. Don't think that you've got to be number one because maybe you're not called to be number one. Some do, but that's a whole lot of talent to carry. Some of us, I've worked out, my role is to serve Stephen Becks and the senior pastors of this church. I know my role, and I'm so excited about that. I don't have to chase somebody else's vision because i got one for my own because I know who I am, and I pray that you would know who you are today. I'm here to remind us all that there is still only one king. Jesus, who led out of a place of identity, not out of insecurity. He laid down his life for us. He served rather than serving his own needs. And today, I I don't know where you're at. I don't know where your relationship with God is. I, I don't know whether you would say that Jesus is your king. But our prayer is that today, you would bow your knee to lay down what you know of God, what you think you know, maybe what you've heard, maybe even what you've experienced. And you would look at Jesus, just Jesus in this moment, who He was, what He did, how He lived His life. You might have a lot of questions about faith and religion and all of that. And, 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 and all of those can come in, into other conversations. But right now today, I would invite you to consider Jesus. Jesus who came and gave up every right of heaven lived as a human being, suffered immense persecution and torture to the point of death. Why? Because you and I needed salvation. You and I needed saving from sin that separated us from God. And in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me, simply saying, God, I acknowledge that I have sinned. I've I've fallen short of a standard that you would set in your law." God, I'm sorry, I, I was wrong. Please help me to turn from my old way of living and I, I want to follow you. I want to I bow my knee to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Who gets our worship today? Would Jesus get your worship? Would you worship the King this morning? With every head bowed and eye closed, would you, would you pray this prayer with me?